The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News team for Canadian tax and financial professionals. Program recorded November 27th, 2020. Enjoy! Welcome to the December edition of Life in the Tax Lane. Can you believe it? We've already hit December, soon to be Christmas, New Year's, whatever other celebrations you have. Maybe even more festive this year because you don't have to visit family. <laughs> Oh, Sister Caitlin, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, you know what? Oh, man. Well, I love my family. Of, we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Uh, some of it uh, relates to some of these COVID measures, so some pretty big dollars, uh, dollars involved here. And I think the first thing we're going to start off with is this brand new uh, SIRS rent subsidy. Uh, we know that the program application first became available on November 23rd, and that was in respect of the four weeks ending October 21st, 24th. So that's all out there. There are going to be a ton of applications. Uh, what we're going to do is just point, a couple, uh, point out a couple of the interesting areas that we've seen thus far. So, Caitlin, what have you seen about that? Yeah, you know, as we discussed last month, this rent subsidy has two parts. We have the base subsidy that's based on the revenue decline, and you get you can get up to 65% of your eligible expenses subsidized. But the other part, I think, isn't understand uh, understood as well. That's the lockdown subsidy. Now, this is not tied to a decline in revenue. Rather, you get this additional 25% subsidy if your business was either shut down due to a public health order tied to COVID-19, or you were required to seize activities responsible for at least 25% of your pre-pandemic revenue for that particular location. So revenues doesn't play at all into this. It's whether you are able to continue operating and how much of your operations were ordered closed. Now, that being said, in order to be eligible for this lockdown support, which is an all or nothing, think 25% or nothing, you also need to be eligible for that base subsidy, which indirectly means you do need a revenue decline of at least something to get into this program. And I am seeing a little bit of misinformation out there related to that. Yeah, you can keep in mind that 25% is prorated if you're not basically locked down throughout the entire four weeks. Yeah. Phew. What about you? Fingers were not, huh? Well, one of the surprises that came out of the uh, SIRS was it's not just rent. Uh, for tenants, it will be. But if I'm renting from a non-arms-length party, I don't get to claim my rent for SIRS. The property owner might get a claim, though. So if I'm a property owner, if I'm using the property primarily as a rental property, I'm generating rent from arms-length third parties, nuh-uh, you get nothing. But... If you use it for other purposes, maybe this is where you run your own business from. Maybe you have tenants, but they're non-arms length. You get to make the claim, and instead of basing it on rent, which you don't pay, you base it on mortgage interest with some restrictions, insurance, and property taxes. So uh, not a bad deal there. If you've got other tenants, however, that are arms length, whatever your expenses are, you got to reduce that by the rent you receive from them. And that would also apply to a tenant who's doing a little subleasing. 
Now, one of the places where I found, uh, you know, uh, some potential errors could happen is we have to identify who the affiliated parties are to us. And you hear that word and you're going, what the heck? I mean, it's an older word, but it's very applicable now. So it's really tied to the concept of, you know, a, a couple and maybe one spouse has, um, you know, owns one company, another spouse owns another company. Guess what? They are affiliated. Now you have to talk to them about which rent expenses their companies are going to claim because you need to actually make a decision between your two companies as to who gets what portion of the 300000 you know, maximum per month. Now, if you're nowhere clear near that 300000 you're thinking, oh, we don't even need to make the decision. But guess what? You don't make the decision. You get nothing. So maybe dig a little deeper, you know, into these affiliated party discussions, and you're going to probably have to have some new discussions with that spouse of yours. So uh, think yeah. about that. And this affiliated issue, it only applies to that base subsidy based on revenue decline and not on the lockdown subsidy. So another nuance there. And hopefully you are speaking to your affiliated people, not just for uh, rental subsidy purposes. I'll what? email my wife and ask if we're still speaking. <laughs> Well, Caitlin, why don't we start off on the uh, Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy? A couple yeah, points there. Yeah, we get a lot of questions related to uh, when we have kind of large, lumpy remuneration and how that fits into claiming the wage subsidy. Do we have, you know, if we have a year-end bonus, if we have lump sum commissions, how do we allocate that to the period for the claim, or pardon me, for the week for which you're going to be claiming uh, the about. And CRA has released an FAQ, and they basically reiterate what we've been saying in the past. You need to determine the period to which those earnings related. So as an example, CRA said, if you got a bonus for the entire 52-week calendar year, and your business was operating for the whole year, and that bonus related to the whole year, you basically take that bonus, divide it by 52, and that's how much relates to each one of the weeks of the year. Yeah, or at least they said it would be reasonable to assume yeah. that, you know, to yeah. go that way. Yeah. How about you, Hugh? Anything you want to wow. mention? You know, CRA has been busy getting SIRS out there, updating their SUS fact. I don't know where they're finding all the time because they also are doing webcasts with CPA Canada to clarify and answer some questions. And they covered a lot of stuff for employees. Uh, commuting costs. You're only working from home. What if you got to drive to the office to pick up some computer hardware, pick up some files, drop off some things? They said, well, normally your commute would be personal, but when you're working from home, your personal commute is down the stairs. Uh, yeah, driving into work to do all those things on occasion because you're working from home. Now that's business travel. You could get a per kilometer reimbursement for that. Alternatively, they said if you are still going into the office and you're incurring additional commuting costs because you got to stay safe in the COVID pandemic, if your employer is giving you a reasonable allowance or reimbursement for that, we don't think that would be a taxable benefit. Uh, they also said maybe you got company paid parking. Wow, if you're in downtown Vancouver or uh, central Toronto, that's a pretty big taxable benefit, particularly if your office is closed and you actually have no use for the parking space. Uh, CRA said, you know what, if the workspace is closed, there's no value to that benefit. You don't have a benefit. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, if you got a company car, the news is not quite so good. Uh, they said, uh, even if your business mileage is way down because of COVID, well, you got to follow the normal rules for calculating the benefit. That may mean you got a way higher tax bill at the end of the year for that company car. And we've mentioned, Joe, the uh, Kate, the $500 reimbursement CRA said the employer could make for 
electronics for your right. home workspace. Now yep. they've gone a little further and said, that doesn't have to be electronics. It could be a good office chair so you can work eight hours a day. Could be a desk, office furniture. And if your employer is really nice and goes over 500 bucks, the first 500 stays tax-free. So nice deal there. They also acknowledge something we said early on. This is for assets that belong to the employee. If they belong to the employer, you're going to take them back when you're done and keep using them for work. Well, that's not a taxable benefit at all. You didn't get anything that you don't need for work anyway. Yeah, a lot of good points, good angles there. Now, the next thing I want to do is just point out a, a fantastic article that just came out from Miller Thompson entitled Passing on the Family Cottage. And I really like all of the details that they have in respect of it. Um, you know, one of the suggestions that they had here is, uh, you know, you want to figure out how this cottage is actually going to be dealt with afterwards. We keep it in the family, who gets it, whatever. And, you know, if all the kids say that they want it, it's hard to kind of make some decisions to see, you know, if it's actually going to be taken care of and who's going to be paying the bills on it. So what you might want to do is actually get the kids to sit down and come up with a co-ownership agreement so they can hash that all out and you can see if the kids are actually going to get along, you know, uh, later on. You know, Joe, just, uh, I just need to hold on about it. I just need to call dad, okay? Just yeah. keep, keep talking. <laughs> So, you know, some First of the other things... First you want spouses to talk to each other. Now you want the siblings to talk to each other? Come on. Yeah. I, I got to say, though, they have a lot of great points in that article as well from a strictly tax perspective as well as, like, for example, maybe just uh, uh, transferring on smaller undivided interests in the property, you know, bit by bit so that you have that capital gain included in your income, you know, over time so it's more smoothed out. A lot of good tips there. Mm -hmm. One final case we wanted to mention. We know there's a number of discretionary deductions we can be claiming as a business. In this case, we had an entity that claimed a whole bunch of discretionary deductions, CCA to the maximum amount, created non-capital losses that were carried forward. Unfortunately, those non-capital losses expired. So what they want to do is go back years and years ago, reduce those discretionary deductions. Were they allowed to do it? The court said no. They said amongst a number of things that looks like retroactive tax planning. So we got to be careful on claiming those discretionary deductions. That is all we have for this month. Ciao. The Video Tax News team has been providing Canadian professionals with practical tax information for over 30 years. Subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and online seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax. For more details, visit www.videotax.com. The preceding information is for general informational purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive, and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, see www.videotax.com disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News, Inc., 2020, all rights reserved.